0: Hello and welcome to the Super Show. This week, I am your host, Alex Jones, and joining me, as always, is the ever, ever the ever glowing, Jamie. So, wow. hello, Jamie.
1: Hello, everyone. My headphones were way too fucking loud, and you just blew my eardrums out. So, thank you for that.
0: <laughs> I wonder how many other people listening out there in uh, podcast land have had the same experience? I've just blown their um, eardrums. I apologise. I will. Um, right. I'll. Uh, I'll try to uh, not not blow the um, eardrums again. <laughs> Hello, everyone, though. It's an exciting new week. It's time to talk about video games again. We don't have any Chris with us this week, um, although he, I'm pretty sure he said he was going to be here last week, but he got his dates a little bit muddled up. Um, he is doing the important work of actually working, so that's why he's not with us. But I'm sure Jamie and I can um, keep you entertained with some game news that's come out this last week. It's been a bit of a rubbish one, Jamie, hasn't it, though? It's yeah. not been the most... It's one of those,
1: we always have those weeks, well, I say we sometimes have those weeks where we kind of, we're about to convene to discuss what we're going to talk about on the podcast that week. And we kind of have that moment where if we were there in person, we'd look each other in the eye and give a knowing nod. And it's the nod of, there's no major news stories this week. And this was one of those weeks. We had about like 15 mini headlines that if this podcast was just about saying the nature of the news and then leaving, we'd be fine. But we, we get down and dirty. That's the issue.
0: We do. Although there is one story that um, I'm excited to get to because I love getting down and dirty with it. And that is, of course, some juicy goss around uh, Abandoned from Blue Box Games, which I'm sure... Um, I I reckon it's like 50-50. I reckon half people are bored to death with it and don't want to ever hear about it again. And half the people are super excited about it and they just want to hear more and more news.
1: Yeah, I think I think I agree. It's probably 50-50. Although... Hopefully we can convert a few people this week because I think on the on the kind of the scale of not juicy to juicy, this is like I'd say this is 80 to 85% of the way towards maximum juiciness, depending on how much weight you put in the words of certain online individuals.
0: And it's got nothing to do with Kojima, which is the most interesting part.
1: Yes, exactly. For once it's not just trying to pedal more Kojima silent hill conspiracies although there are plenty of silent hill conspiracies that we will also discuss this week
0: yes talking about silent hill that is the first news story that we're going to get onto today but before we do that i'm quickly going to mention the fact that we are on youtube and podcasting platforms we are at super show pod if you want to uh, go reach out to us on twitter or on youtube and you know you want to say hello you want to drop us a little comment we are across all the podcasting podcasting platforms but we are also jamie we are on Paisley Radio, the because one we're internet radio superstars. We're on there 10pm uh, on Thursdays, 10pm on Mondays when it's repeated. So if you want to check us out in sort of like a bit of an old school style by listening to us pseudo live, make sure you um, head over there and check it out. Also, get onto Twitter and DM Chris because he loves it. Drop yes. in a cheeky little DM. Yeah. He's the only one who has access to our DM. So like I said, at Super Show Pod, send him a little message to say, how's the work going? Or, you know, send him a picture of something. Yeah. risque, it's up to you.
1: I am not going anywhere near that Twitter or that inbox because every now and then I I'm in some WhatsApp groups, let's just say, that are a little bit dodgy. Not dodgy in, in terms of necessarily the makeup of the WhatsApp group or the intentions behind the WhatsApp group. It's just you get enough blokes in one forum then weird shit starts to happen or there's always that one weird guy who finds things funny when they're really not. And uh, so much of it comes from Twitter nowadays. And I, like, I apologise in advance for anyone that goes down this rabbit hole, but thanks to Twitter and a um, an unspecified WhatsApp group, I was introduced to Naked Martin this week. Um, and he is... Um, as his name might suggest a fascinating fellow. Um
0: Naked Martin. i will search
1: that name at your own, you know, like just yeah, be I be I very already wary. Cuz all I will say is the 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 name Naked Martin kind of gives you an implication an indication of something to expect, but it goes no, like nowhere near selling the whole image or the entire makeup of of Naked Martin. Like it sells him massively short based on what he does. <laughs> um Right. And, and I didn't give any consent to watch those. So, Jonesy, it, I'm going to say it. I didn't give my consent to watch a man shit on a piece of bread and eat it. But that's what uh,
0: happened. Right. No, I, do you know what the problem is now? You spent too long but, uh, before you mentioned his name to when you mentioned <laughs> what he did. That 90% of our audience already looked up Naked Martin. I told Martin them not to look up this. Naked Martin. Please but don't look just, up Naked that Martin. That just makes it... More exciting. Although and what you did was you left it the perfect length of time, the Google length of time. <laughs> and now they've already been exposed. I'm lucky because I'm here on the podcast and I wasn't compelled to like immediately uh, type it in. And so.
1: let us know in the comments below if, in the time between my introduction of <laughs> Naked Martin and my explanation of what Naked Martin does, you looked him up. And also let us know if you're going to be sending those tweets and their attached videos to Chris in the Super Show DMs at Super Show Pod. <laughs>
0: Because and he'll have no idea what it's about as well. He'll be Imagine, like, what the hell he just
1: gets inundated with naked Martin content. Naked Martin. Do you uh, know what?
0: When you said a certain WhatsApp group and you were introducing Naked Martin, I half expected it to be uh some weird thing that had been created by someone to do with our friend Martin from the Just Interesting podcast. Oh
1: god, yeah, no, that the, uh, that version of Naked Martin would just be like a rogue Just Interesting fan who just photoshops Martin's head onto <laughs> naked buff men's bodies and shares the images. <laughs> Also worth a follow. Yes. That would
0: have it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But you know what? Hey, Twitter is good for something else as well, other than weird stuff and finding weird stuff. It's also good for rumours, Jamie.
1: Mm. Can't get enough of those rumours.
0: Can't get enough of the rumours. And the uh, the one game that always keeps on giving, or the one series, I should say, is, of course, Silent Hill. And uh, this week, Silent Hill rumours have been bubbling up again because um, those cheeky little insiders and leakers... um, as they always do, predicting the return of Silent Hill, it seems to have gained a little more traction in the last week and actually seems to have been confirmed to some degree um, that Silent Hill may be seeing more than one game, might be seeing um, a a few entries in the Silent Hill sort of universe uh, popping up. So there was a a Twitter user called Dusk Gollum who shared some images that allegedly come um, from 2020 uh, a new version of Silent Hill, that he was then copyright striked by Konami, which kind of gives you an idea. This I always find that weird, because if you want to kind of confirm that yeah. the leak is real, copyright strike it. It's, if you want to pretend it's fake, then maybe don't and just go like, oh, I don't know what this is.
1: It's the Streisand effect, isn't it? Like, the harder you try and get something off the internet, the more attention you're drawing to it in the process.
0: Right, yes, absolutely.
1: Like, what <laughs> Konami really should have done is quote tweeted Dust Golem and just put the crying laughing emoji like publicly humiliate him and then no one will take him seriously.
0: Yeah, which is absolutely the way to go. That is the way to go. Don't copyright strike it. Just do laugh and face emoji and be like, oh, this is so funny. I love whoever made this. Um, but <laughs> why after would, that Why that are Konami, happened,
1: Konami German all of a sudden? Do that <laughs> voice like, again?
0: Oh, I don't know. This is so funny. It's like you think Bruno,
1: like Sasha Baron-Karen's Bruno, w- w- works for Konami. That's just my
0: go-to. German is, is apparently my go-to at the moment. Off! Like a... mine's Silent Hill... That's what I imagine when you said like a laughing crime face on Twitter. Like them just going, oh, I love your tweet, it's so funny. <laughs> but You've got anyway. a weird idea
1: of Germans, but I love it.
0: We, we uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just getting sidetracked. Um, but after that tweet, there was a podcaster called uh, Nate the Hate who then tweeted to say that multiple Silent Hill projects are actually in development. So we're not talking old 2020 stuff which hasn't come out. We're talking currently in develop- development at the moment, including a mainline entry, a side story, and a Silent Hill 2 remake by Blueber Team. Um, that would be a timed exclusive for PlayStation. So this is um, obviously getting a little closer to what people were hoping because people want some more Silent Hill. They always want more Silent Hill. Um, but it does seem that our little friend Jeff Grubb has kind of managed to confirm that some of these these rumours are, what do we like to call it, a confirmed rumour maybe. And he's yeah. been hearing um, that this stuff is actually real and isn't just a rumour rumour. It's a confirmed rumour-ish.
1: Exactly. Like uh, Jeff Grubb, VGC and Eurogamer, the three horsemen of the confirmed rumors apocalypse uh, have corroborated this in in like, you know in quotation marks whatever like take it for what it's worth because i don't know i don't know how you feel about this stuff and how you even feel about silent hill because even i have to chickenly check myself sometimes when it comes to this series cuz we've been talking about it in vague terms for so long but even with the weirdness around konami and their seeming you know, seeming lack of in- the, the, the lack of interest they've shown to developing video games in general over the last couple of years, let alone you know capitalising on the the brand recognition they still have in so many of their franchises, is that I, I just always felt like it was inevitability that Silent Hill was going to come back, even after Silent Hills fell through, even after Konami you know got mental about PT and wiped it from the planet of, for the, the, the face of the Earth. Uh, like everything that happened, it still felt like Silent Hill was going to come back eventually. I think the only thing that's interesting here is how many people are willing to corroborate the story that there are potentially as many as, depending on who you talk to and who you listen to, three or four different Silent Hill games in development at once, which goes full circle and then all of a sudden does seem kind of anti-Konami again. Like, I believe that they're
0: making one. Do I believe that they're making four? That's it's a jump. It's kind of like if you're going to. People for years have been waiting for something Silent Hill related, and to wait that long and then to be like, say, oh, no, we've got three or four things coming out, that does seem like a little bit too much of a jump. I, I believe one or. Maybe like I believe a remake, like a Silent Hill 2 remake, and then something else. But yeah, three or four seems yeah. a little bit strong. Well, it's yeah, like, like a Star Wars or a George Lucas level of. Um,
1: right, exactly. Yeah. And again, like if Konami were a company or a publisher that had spent the last let's say decade or two flaunting all their franchises and, you know, milking them for everything they're worth, that it would make sense that they were Star Warsing this shit. But they've done the opposite. They've sat on names like Silent Hill, like Metal Gear, like uh Castlevania. And don't get me wrong, there have been examples of times where they've kind of cashed in on the IP or at least put out a low effort entry in those series. Like you go back to Metal Gear Survive, which was Konami's attempt to flirt with the idea of Metal Gear post-Kojima, and it didn't work. Um, so, like, there there have been examples, again, in the last decade or so, of Konami not wanting to leave money on the table, but Silent Hill was always just this weird anomaly where it was like they felt for years like the company that were happy to say, that's cool, like, we're making billions of dollars with pachinko machines and setting up casinos and resorts. Like, we don't need to make a fucking... Uh, a new Contra game. Um... But now they, like, if you, again, if you believe the rumblings, they might be coming closer and closer to kind of being back in business. And actually, I, the key thing about this, with, no matter how you feel about Bloober Team and their recent works, is they're they're finally acknowledging, which they should have done prior to things like Metal Gear Survive and the, the Last Contra game, that they might not be the best people for the jobs when it comes to these new titles, and they're actually leveraging the popularity of those uh, franchises and those IPs but giving them to more talented people, to put it bluntly, is is a smart way to go.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. Um, I think um, it's also a weird one, though, because from our perspective, obviously, we talk about Silent Hill and we say, you know, everyone gets really excited about it and every time it bubbles up, everyone sort of goes, oh, this is it, Silent Hill, Silent Hill. I do wonder if there's a, a part of Konami where they sort of look at each other and go, wow, there's like 10,000 people online who are getting all excited about Silent Hill again, but we've passed that. Like, yeah, that's in our past now. We don't really, we don't really care. Like you said, like, we're onto pachinko machines. We've we've moved on. We've, yeah, um, we're not we're not that bothered. But I also wonder
1: if it's like a kind of a weird skepticism, almost like an old school skepticism of like, okay you know, there's now this new wave of people on the internet who have anime profile pictures and love going on Twitter and talking about how much they like old games, but do they look at that market as one that doesn't actually spend that much money on these products? And like, do they right. see there being a disconnect between what in a vacuum could look like an outpouring of support for a series, but in reality doesn't translate to sales. I've always wondered that, especially when you like tie that into sort of like the Eastern developers and Japanese publishers and developers have always traditionally been a little bit more cautious when it comes to what they green light and what they release and when and how and so on and so forth they're not as gung-ho
0: no they don't they definitely don't seem to be but it, and it is also that thing of where the, the way they actually make their money that's the big thing isn't it is because of the way that we as as players think they make their money is obviously one thing but then they might make most of their money in a completely random way that they're much more bothered about other stuff that we have no idea. It's like, it's like that thing of someone with someone saying like McDonald's, how does McDonald's make their money? Oh, they sell burgers. No, they don't. They're actually in the, um, the real estate business and that's how they make their money. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is like, it's completely different, different area. So maybe Konami are like, Oh man, like you can, you can get all excited about, um, Roasting it glasses about Silent Hill, or you want, but we're never going to make another one because that's not where you make our money. But
1: right, but and, and they even talk, sorry to jump on what you were saying almost about them looking at the kind of the broader multimedia side of things. There was that time where they infamously did an unbelievably good job, completely remaking all the cutscenes and cinematics from Metal Gear Solid Three, but it was for a pachinko machine. It wasn't for a game.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, like they're just they're like saying their head is just in a different place. But having said all of that and having like, you know, maybe sort of putting a bit of a dampener on it, it does sound like people are pretty um, convinced that this is going to happen because, mm. um, as you were saying, Eurogamer's Vicky Blake has basically said, Blueber team are definitely working on something Silent Hill related. And um, the uh, sources... Uh, for VGC have said that um the images that were leaked by Dusk Golem were from a PT style teaser codenamed Sakura and the episodic side stories um might well be published by Annapurna Interactive. So um Yeah. So it sounds it sounds legit. It sounds like there is something in the works. It sounds like I might be seeing something coming up in the future. Sure. Um I mean So maybe. Maybe maybe like maybe I, this is, I, Jamie, maybe this is really it. I, I, you
1: know what, I think it is it. I think we, we we go back and forth on this podcast, and I'm sure lots of people go back and forth with us on you know, the, the state of insiders and leakers and rumour mongers in the industry nowadays because they seem more prominent than ever, but depending on who you ask, less reliable than ever. But I think you know, when you're talking about VentureBeat, when you're talking about VGC, you're talking about Eurogamer, you are talking about websites that... Traditionally, don't risk their reputation on rumors unless they word them very carefully. Like, hey, we've heard this, but we're not sure. But, like, when the words like corroborated are being thrown around, and, you know, a Eurogamer journalist is saying X is definitely working on Y, and VGC are throwing out code names, like, it suggests that it is real. But the only thing that remains to be seen is. And this is the, the fascinating thing about the games industry that I think m- not that many people actively acknowledge. And it's very hard to kind of uh, use because and talk about because it sounds like a safety net that people who do share these bits of information are trying to use. But just because this could all be true and nothing still might happen. Like yes. video game plans and video game development, things chop and change all the time. Like those screenshots might be real. That teaser might have been codenamed Sakura. It might have been planned to be a PT style teaser for a Silent Hill 5. And yet nothing might happen publicly. And it would all still be true. I and mean, that's where there's a the disconnect where people are like so and so lied about this. Like they might not have. Like but video game development is extremely complicated and plays out over many years. Um yeah, it's and that a is one. where you
0: get the situation like happened with Nintendo and the Switch Pro where they uh that you get some really weird situation where it was like, this is definitely happening, and totally. like, don't know what you're talking about, mate. And like, I think in years to come we'll find out that, that was true and that for some reason they changed their plans. Um Usually, like you were saying about corroboration, so hmm. the, I think the journalistic standard is usually that you get two independent sources who can corroborate a story, and then that means that you can go out there and you can you can publish it. Yeah. Um, and they've definitely got that, it seems, for um, this Silent Hill stuff. Maybe not quite so much uh, backing for the story about abandoned and... Um, blue box games that we're going to uh, talk about in a little bit because that's a little bit more
1: maybe can i, can I ask you something oh, uh, that i'm curious about <laughs> before we move on from silent hill yep because so, so, sometimes it feels like when rumors like this pick up enough steam and get discussed enough and they keep floating around and they're in the ether for years they kind of get a life of their own and i sometimes wonder if there's this weird effect where People get more excited for a property than they actually are, as a result of like the anticipation, the excitement of something ne- continually nearly. It's like edging and being blue ballzed for years <laughs> for Silent Hill, making you think you want Silent Hill more. I Silent Hill Two is often cited as you know the 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 peak of that series. It was critically acclaimed. Uh, it's the title that's allegedly being remade of of you know of all of this, the titles they have to choose from. Like I I'm twenty nine now. I was eight when Silent Hill 2 came out. I was not playing uh, Silent Hill 2. As someone who's like slightly older, like what was your recollection of Silent Hill 2? Its reputation amongst like you and your your friends at the time? How it fit into the Alone in the Dark, Resident Evil picture? And do you think it makes sense that people care this much?
0: Um, it was non-existent. Right? Okay. The, um, yeah, that's what I thought you would say. The I had one mate who had Silent Hill one. I think so. I I don't even remember. Like so, my only exposure then. So I guess I was like maybe like 17, 18, something like that. Um, yeah. So it was it was that a mate had it, and it was which I can't. I, all I remember is it's the it's a, the opening level is the the is it the mum walking around the town like calling the kid's name and it's all foggy and the graphics are horrendous and like wouldn't well, they're not bad but like the pop in is obviously so bad that they just have fog everywhere. Yes, and you can't see anything. And I think I played that section of the game I can't I don't know which one it is Silent Hill one or two like you can tell how much I've paid attention to it over the years and you kind of and then you go down um some stairs and that's like when the game kind of starts and you go down to like horrible world or whatever that is my extent of what I actually played Mm. my recollection is that the film came out which I also didn't watch yeah um I played Alone in the Dark I watched but not much of it again never owned it played it with a mate uh and then I watched the film with Christian Slater which I think is um more of my exposure to that. Res- Resident Evil was one that everyone played. Resident right, Evil was yes. like the games we all played and we loved them. They were terrifying and amazing. Um I think the last time I played a I seriously pl- tried to play a Resident Evil game um before the remakes was Raccoon City which was so bad that I never went back to Resident Evil until the until the remakes. Um and those films are terrible, although they are the most successful movie franchise from games I think ever. But so yes, no, for me, Silent Hill 100% is a uh, hindsight phenomenon. Interesting. I was, not in, I was not involved anyway at the time, even though I was probably the right age for it. I couldn't even tell you what I was playing at the time. Probably Prince of Persia trilogy, GTA by 3, God of War trilogy, definitely GTA. Like, yeah, I, w- I wasn't paying attention to horror games back. To be honest, back then. Interesting. Um, yeah, no. It's, I, I, all, yeah. Post, like you're saying, it's all post, like you say. It's all posted, Everything happening. It was. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's all like. Uh, but that, well, I'm tr- I was just trying to think, but of course the um, uh, what's the What's the Nintendo game? The little Plinky Plunky one, where you walk around the island chopping down Animal and trees. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is my favourite example of a game that f- was for no reason became this thing, which was bigger than it ever deserved to be. And then it came out and was everywhere. Like no one mentioned Animal Crossing, I swear, until like the hype train started and then the online hype got so big that when it sold, it just sold an insane number of units and became like insanely successful out of nowhere. And I think Silent Hill is probably one of the the series that kind of started that idea of like the online hype train sort of building and building and building. Although saying that, of course, um, it's got to be Half Life uh, three, which is which is probably the the originator of that whole thing, right? Like the on like the sort of online hype building, <sighs> building, building. I building. mean, yeah, I, then, like, I get what you up.
1: mean. I get what you mean. I I, I think Half Life was a particularly weird one because, well, again, like they're they're all weird ones because I, I'm what I'm trying to separate here is like my lived experience and the experience that I've witnessed online because my lived experience is similar to yours where i didn't grow up admittedly you know the age thing didn't help but there were silent hill games that still came out as i you know got older and i didn't grow up as either myself or friends playing silent hill games we played resident evil games we played like but i was 11 when resident evil 4 came out that was fine like i bought that and played it. i had the i don't gamecube um but like, and Animal Crossing the same. But then I wouldn't have said that any of us were necessarily in the demographic for Animal Crossing, and also for as popular as a lot of the Nintendo handhelds were over the years, and Nintendo consoles in general were over the years. They weren't always popular amongst my cohorts, the people I was at school with, and so on and so forth. And so, and so, sometimes I don't know. And Half Life is, I guess, also fits into that. Is like, did I, did I, did I live in my own little echo chamber until I turned? 16 17 18 and everything I started to consume on YouTube podcasts online became gaming related and then all of a sudden I became almost you know more aware than I ever thought I'd be about Silent Hill 2 and its reputation and so on and so forth um so I I, I don't know I don't know
0: I almost feel like the the, and the reason I put them all in a similar, similar bracket like Animal Crossing, which is a weird one to put in there, I know, but like Half-Life, uh, Silent Hill, is because it feels like the online appetite for anything to do with them just kind of massively... Outshines the actual desire to play those games, but then, well, but then, um, but then, Animal Crossing. Yeah, and I'm,
1: like, the nuts. thing about Animal Crossing is that the, the numbers were real, right? Like the, the sales, that's true, the, that's the, true. and there were a number of other facts in that. You know, lockdowns around the world and a global pandemic being a, a big part of it. But you're right; like there is a weird thing there where if you, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure if you looked at the sales of the Animal Crossing title before, is it New New Horizons? The, the, was the, the most, the recent, most one. recent one. If maybe. you looked at the sales of the one before, which I think would have been a 3DS title, I, I'm, I'm sure it jumped up, you know, I, I don't even know, I don't even want to, I was like, going to say four like, or tenfold, five times, but yeah, maybe, maybe it was tenfold. I don't even know. And it's like, when you look at something like that, it's it's not like because we spent the years in between those two Animal Crossing titles becoming increasingly obsessed with Animal Crossing, but there is a little bit of that, and th- that will probably... What if it
0: is? What if the whole thing is the companies like and the, and what if they do it on purpose with something like Silent Hill there is a team who work for Konami whose sole purpose over the years is every time that uh, the Google trends sort of it starts to slip off they just th- seed out some, um, some stories some cheeky little leaks to bubble it up again because they know they're planning to release something in like five ten years time whatever but they're like you can't let the audience forget so they're yeah. a team who's like just just squeeze a few little bits of a little tidbits out there, some information, just keep it keep it I'm, churning.
1: I'm gonna go one step further and I'm gonna say, well, I don't think that's impossible. I don't think they need to do that because I think human beings are stupid enough to do it. We do it ourselves <laughs> and we do it inside our own heads like I was going down a weird route the other day um and I was like googling stuff alongside this to try and find like what the psychological studies were about it, and I found that. I, and this isn't true of all games but it is true of some where i have a similar relationship with them in my mind the games i played in the years past as i have with some relationships and there are some relationships that you remember as being horrible you remember all the bad shit you remember how crazy they were and you're like you're you're thankful to be done with it but there are also relationships that um again again speaking for myself here i don't know if this is consistent with other people but in spite of the fact that they were far from perfect and, like, on a day-to-day basis, at times they were even bad or, like, a bad place for either one of you two to be, like, over time, the thing that's crystallised have been the the positive memories and you end up thinking of that person or that time or those memories or the good times really fondly and you, like, you you don't sweat the small stuff at all. Like, you completely forget the fact that you argued every night and you just remember that great holiday you went on. And I do that sometimes with games.
0: that's that's really common though. Like you romanticize the good parts yeah. and you forget and I, the bad. I
1: think things I think sure. I think we do that with games, and I Definitely. think and I think the the further away we get from them, the more the good parts and the fond memories we have of those games crystallize, and I think they merge with other people's positive experience, and then we also do this by osmosis. We take on opinions that were never asked to begin with, and before you know it, like a good okay, take that back, a very good horror game from over twenty years ago soon becomes like you know, what it is now. And it's,
0: it's strange as well because you almost want to, like, for example, um, we've, you know, we talked a number of times on the pod about like um, uh, Demon Souls and the, the remake for the PlayStation 5 and how they had to kind of keep it uh, true to the original whilst updating the graphics and things. They managed to do that but in a lot of these games you wouldn't want to go anywhere near the original. you you it's effectively just becomes the ip and you have to make a completely new game completely new like mechanics completely new like engine and everything because if you actually tried to like you know use influences from the previous version it'd be a terrible game because we romanticize the graphics at the time we remember how good they were even though they were trash yeah. we remember how good the controls were even though they were trash and it's like it's a very strange thing i think that we do yeah but, um one that always springs to mind for me was um and you know, as we just talked about Half Life. So, right, Half Life. I actually played the first one when it came out. Um, didn't was never really online in those days. I can't remember when it would have actually come, came out, but like uh, played it. I can't remember why we even got it. Like it was it was a bit left field, but played it and was so blown away by the opening uh, of that game that I remember when people would come around to my house, I would make them play the opening of Half Life because I'd be like, "Look how amazing this game is! It's so like atmospheric and exciting." And so that's that's always stuck with me how good. Um, you know uh, uh, that game was for um, so maybe those those feelings those sort of like you said you know, romanticise those yeah. uh, those moments in your life and you're like I just want that back. I, I had so. I had it
1: this week with Disco Elysium where I, I watched a I ended up watching a YouTube video about Disco Elysium and it talked about like the soundtrack and it talked about a few other elements and I sat there and I went like I almost started contemplating myself like I remember liking Disco Elysium an awful lot I remember thinking it was one of my top three games that I played that year but now i'm sitting here thinking like oh my god is disco at least one of my favorite games of all time like i can almost feel my like impressions of it my feelings on it actually like warming as i sat there watching <laughs> someone else you know be reverent about it and uh, yeah it's weird That's, uh, <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's true it's is it compl- that, ex- that happens exactly that thing happens um and i think it happens to all of us um for sure but we can't just uh reminisce jamie Ad nauseam, because we uh, we have to move on. But one thing I do want to reminisce about, yeah, is how often we've been on the podcast. Because we were talking about this, um, uh, you know, last week. and We were sort of, or no, the week before, I think it was. And we were talking about how how often we're on that. We were reminiscing, if you like, how much mm. we were on this podcast and how many shows we've done. Now that we're up to, I think it's one hundred and twenty three episodes. We're up to that's correct. Um, Mindful Pig, the absolute legend, one of our um, patrons, has done the daunting task of going back through all of those podcasts and actually logging who has been uh, on how many episodes. And he's actually managed to get some numbers together for us. Um, I'm going to give the uh, the viewers on YouTube, I'll say, um, and what you can do is so if you're listening to the podcast as well, I'm going to give you a couple of moments before I tell you to try and just just guess who has been on the most, or sorry, let's just say who has missed the most shows out of all of us? Because Mindful Pig has actually got the numbers. So I have 123 shows. How many shows do you think me, Jamie, and Jonesy have missed? Now, you might get an inkling because Chris isn't here this week. So that yeah. might be a bit. I, a I've way. also
1: just realized that because Chris is not here this week, I need to do this and make one quick amendment and, oh, wow. <laughs> and, add, uh, and add a number to Chris's uh,
0: pile. Uh, All right. And I'm going to go, I'm not going to go, you know, like least to most, because I think that was sort of as in like the person who's been at least the person who's been in most, because I think that would be the wrong way around. I'm going to go in reverse. I'm going to start with the person who has missed the least number of shows. And no one is going to be surprised to learn that that is you, Jamie, of course, you have missed two only. Yeah, two shows since we started doing this nearly two years ago. Um, that is massively impressive, Jamie. So, you know, thank you very much. Thank you for your service. No,
1: uh, thank you for... uh, I I don't even know. Thank you for... Thank you for thanking me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Thank you for Um, acknowledging me. It's kind of frightening because that's 123 weeks is not a small amount of time. And to have only missed two episodes in that... It it feels freaky.
0: That is very, very impressive. Uh, And at number two is me, of course. I've missed... (laughs) I've missed 10 episodes. See, That's not bad. Out of those 100, I should, I want to mention that I have 123. I've missed ten. I think I missed five or four because of having COVID. So if we, if I hadn't have had COVID, this would have been only been about six that I would have missed or five that I would have missed. So
1: no, not too yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. If, if we'd done it at like the start of the year, you'd have been fine.
0: Um, Chris is on a is, a, is, a, is slightly slightly higher up. So Chris has missed uh 21 of those 123 episodes but bless him he is the sickest man i think i've ever known so um, it doesn't help
1: he gets ill like no one's business he also has a real passion for taking jobs in other parts of the country
0: he does yeah which which um when it sort of doesn't work when it coincides with uh, recording obviously it doesn't lend itself very well he's usually on a train or he's bless him he's in a little hotel room or something um with his laptop that he tells us is absolutely amazing but He's had it for 15 years, so it's probably slowing down. Probably couldn't, probably couldn't handle the podcast.
1: Yeah, he smiles through gritted teeth as he plays Elden Ring at three frames a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, thank you, Mindful Pig, for doing that. So um, that, yeah, that's, that is a slog to go through, I'm sure. But but you did it, and we're grateful that you did. It's, it's, it's nice to know that Jamie is the king of uh, turning up, as it were. Um, but as I said, Mindful Pig is one of our patrons who supports us over at patreon.com. And there are other people who support us over there because they're absolute legends. And so I would like to read out a few of their names. You'll notice that there are some names on screen right now, um, but I'm going to mention a few more. They are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole Kay, Helium Joker, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camden Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Piers, Neil deGeld's yeah. Dream of Prosthetic Mustaches, Daniel, Pastor's Guild, Scary Omen, Starfall Kid, the ballless beauty, the gorgeous gelding, the yummy eunuch, the one and only Mark Clancy, and then it is the big dogs. It is Brett Z, a.k.a. Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, Pease Wad, and this is the one I fear. It's uh, Mogne, May Your Cock Never Burn, Michalson. Mm. Thank you so much to all of you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for uh, keeping the lights on, keeping us coming back week after week. Um, we couldn't do it without you. And thank you to everyone in the um, comments on the video that listens to us on podcasting platforms, that downloads us, streams us, listens to us on Paisley Radio, all of those things. You are all absolute legends.
1: I will just say, Jonesy, uh, uh, briefly commenting on your fear, that I actually did hear from the artist formerly known as The Uncaged after last week's episode. (laughs) And he said, I got an A++ for effort on the name and he said, "You did get it almost completely right, by the way. Although I cannot remember what I said last week, so I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> <I'll say>
0: it. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen now, and I'm going to I'm going to record it, and I'm going to learn it. There you go. We're honing stuff. in. Yeah, I actually did smash it. Um, I reckon we should do a little brief catch up for what we've been playing since last week, Jamie. Let's do I it. Know that you've been playing something new.
1: I have been playing. So it was something new to me. Uh, I think Huge. it actually came out." A couple of months ago but it's been sitting on game pass for a little while and i heard enough stories here or there that i finally decided to jump in and play only like i think an hour or two of a game called norco um which is a point and click adventure game um set in uh it's like an alternate take on a city called norco that i believe is in louisiana i might have got that wrong um
0: but yeah, it's, I was going to try and do the accent. I don't know how they're talking. <laughs> yeah, I've got no Louisiana.
1: Norco? And the, there's no um. There's no uh, voice acting in this game, so uh, playing Norco will not help you when it comes to the accent <laughs> either. Um, it, it's a it's a really interesting game. So it's basically it's a as I said, it's a point and click adventure game where you play as a young, well, I presume young, a young-ish woman called Kay who returns to her a childhood home of of Norco, Louisiana. Um, following the death of her mother, um, and she goes to kind of like, basically like return home like people do when someone dies, and there's situations going on around the circumstances surrounding the death of her mother, and the whereabouts of her brother, and so on and so forth. And so, a bit of a mystery sort of unfolds. But it is, uh, when I say it's set in an alternate take on um, the real place of Norco, Louisiana, it's very alternate. It's kind of got a a weird sci-fi feel, and it's one of, the, it reminds me, you know how Disco Elysium had this thing where they were human characters and they had, you know, they talked the way we talk and they had the, the same, you know, they cared about the same things we care about and the same, like, aspirations and emotions and so on and so forth, like, and the same problems and, but they were set in wow. a world, well. All, all,
0: set, or all except for Kuno.
1: Apart from Kuno's in the world of his own, yeah, we, no comparisons there. Um, but there was this weird element on the world side of things, where it was hard to track what was consistent with what the world, what, where where we live, and what was consistent with oh, the world of Disco yeah. Elysium. Like little things, like obviously fashion and culture was different, and language was different in some cases. And it's got their own locations and their own religions, and the, the cars are different. And like, and it was like, where does one stop and the other uh, yes. begin? Um, Norco's got a bit of that going on where it, like, again, you're in this kind of like Louisiana town that's, it basically built in, well, I don't know if it was built in or it happened the other way around, the shadow of this big sort of like oil processing facility that, you know, pumps, um, pumps smoke and, uh, pollution into the air and like the, you know, that everyone is basically used to living in the shadow of this big plant, this oil plant and like the glow of it, the hum of it, like it's part of their lives, Um, but then you walk out into the back garden and there's like a robot sitting there and you're like, Oh, like immediately this, like there aren't robots at Disco Elysium, but immediately you're like, this is a game that's going to kind of blur the lines between what is completely normal in our world. And what is like this alternate setting and setting is kind of key. It kind of also has that Disco Elysium or, um, Kentucky Route Zero kind of thing of like the sense of place is very important and it, 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 you're meeting a lot of characters and their trials and their tribulations and their circumstances are all kind of defined by the the setting and the location they live in and how it's kind of had an impact on their lives or how they feel about living there and so on and so forth. Um, and that acts the set dressing to the central mysteries. Um, and it, it it's intriguing enough. Um, you know, there's a bit of kind of like true detective season one, y kind of vibes around like that kind of that grimy Southern setting. And everything is a little bit off kilter in ju- like just enough of a way that it's got a, a surprisingly unsettling feel for a point and click adventure, which, you know, traditionally can kind of take, have the edge taken off it as a result, it's pacing. Um It's got, it, it's not flawless. I think sometimes the plot sort of hurtles along and is far too ready to throw terms and ideas and uh concepts at you not like game concepts but like fucking world concepts like you know, human concepts at you at a rate that it's quite sometimes quite hard to pass and know to like i see i found
0: that kind of frustrating in disco elysium when they yes were, it was that whole sort of like communist um uh political you know like what sort of Personally, and you know, I, I did find that kind of a little bit much. Yeah. So, is it to that level, or is it? Not it's, quite as bad? it's
1: that, but it's not quite as bad because rather than like cultural issues or um, uh, political issues, it's it's often sci-fi stuff. And so okay. like but it, it can but it can be a lot of things in terms of like names and companies and groups and like right like like one of the things that very early on is there's a term called head drive, which is basically like a hard drive for your head and it's a thing that can can store your consciousness, but that term right. is introduced and used liberally like twenty minutes before you meet a character who you can ask what it is, so you have to kind of have this thing where you're willing to not Know what's going on, or forego certain bits of information to stay with it, and I found that a bit tricky at times. There is a, a, a I
0: co- find that with the the, uh, the crossover between like hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi is in that you you're expected to sort of like be introduced and just take on a whole bunch of terms and a whole bunch of concepts. Whereas I much prefer soft sci-fi, where it's like, ah, yeah. don't worry about it. It's a lot. It's a lot more accessible. We don't got to worry about like getting too in in the weeds with the terminology.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is like, it, it it's a weird one. It's not even that it's hard sci-fi. Like, I think a lot of the ideas probably do settle in the realm of soft sci-fi. It's just that it feels like it was written and presented from a perspective of someone who didn't want to waste any time offering you real world kind of like, like... What, he didn't want to explain anything. He didn't. The writer, right. the writer or writers of this game, didn't want to waste any time or spend because, especially when everything's text based, they didn't want to like have you read explanations of where does this robot come from and how does it work and like yeah. like what, how do robots come to be integrating into society and like so and so it just kind of asked you to go with it. But sometimes there were a, a few points where like the leaps it was asking me to go on left me a bit like there's nothing. I I feel uncomfortable sometimes when I'm blind in a video game, and I'm like, I'm having, especially in a point-and-click adventure, I'm having a conversation, I'm choosing dialogue responses in the hope that I'm kind of going to piece this all together later. That can be a bit of a weird, like, tricky spot to be in that Norco left me in a couple of times. But it is interesting, and it is on Game Pass, um, and it does have a very um, inconsistent, but at the same time, like, weirdly... Uh, good-looking pixel art style. I think there are some elements of it, of it, of it particularly human faces, that um, are not handled particularly well. Which is perhaps <laughs> right. why, as a weird stylistic choice, the main character and her brother aren't presented with actual faces. They have like smiley faces. That like it's oh. very hard to explain. Um,
0: I've got. I pulled up um, yeah, the web page. I'm, I'm looking at a few of the sh- um, images from the game now. Which I I must admit I do like the that kind of like. 90s but it's futuristic aesthetic where mm. it's almost like a, a obviously 90s in the past but it's like a alternate reality where there was we did have robots and more sci-fi stuff but it's not super advanced it's not like it's from the year 3000 or anything like that not that the year 3000 is going to be super advanced as you know back to the future has taught us 2015 was kind of a dud so there you go
1: well yeah exactly future is never as exciting as it's made out to be. Um, yeah, exactly. Although, to be honest, when it comes to Norco's representation of the future, I think I'm happy with the one we're going to get. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want some of this stuff.
0: <laughs> oh, right. Fair um, enough. But yeah, fair enough. it's interesting. Uh, anything else this week, or is that just Nor- just Norco? <laughs> that was it.
1: I, I, I've I've played, like, a few hours here or there of random things. Like, I played two or three hours of Disco Elysium. I played three hours of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, the definitive edition. I played uh, three hours of uh, The Witcher 3, like just random bits and pieces. Wow, this has
0: been a weird week for you.
1: I'm in one of those moods where I've got some things going on that I need to get back to and finish, but I'm also kind of, I'm darting around a little bit because I'm trying to be a little bit more relaxed about sort of indulging in those weird like one-off urges you get to just play something. And so when I had a thing the right. other day that was like, I really want to play Disco Elysium again. I downloaded it. I played it for three hours, and I haven't touched it since. And I'm, and that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, that it must that, be nice that's, when you that's do that okay. with a game
0: you've finished. Because it's not yeah. like it's not like you think like, oh, if I don't finish it this time, maybe I will never finish it.
1: Yeah, especially in the case of Disco Elysium, where you know you can specifically try and do things to. Um, you know, upset the way you know the game wants to go, or or do things <laughs> yeah. differently to how you did it the first time, um, which I did manage to do inside the first two or three hours. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. Anything else would be a spoiler, but yeah, I, that that was my week. How about yours?
0: So, uh, do you know what? I'm not really going to touch on mine too much because um, I know boring people because I have been playing more Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. Um, not much else to tell. Been playing a bit more of that. Um, but I tell you what, I've kind of did what, done what you said, which is I've delved back into a game I haven't played for a while, uh, which is Jedi Fallen Order. Um, mm. I downloaded the uh, PS5 free update um, for that, and I've just sort of like got back into playing it because I'd never finished it. Um, and because I've been on this Star Wars kick, I was like, you know what, that is a Star Wars game with some good feeling, like combat and some lightsaber spinning. So I thought, you know, yeah, they hop back in.
1: And we're going like to see the it, new one in like less than two weeks' time. I think.
0: I I don't want to get like I don't want to bore people again with Star Wars. I keep mentioning it last last few, last few weeks, but it's weird going back into Fallen Order. I was I was kind of like, oh yeah, this game is really cool, but at the same time, I was like, I really hope the sequel is different. Different how? Was I don't really like the setup from of Fallen Order. I, I, I for, sort of remembered that one of the things I didn't like was the. I'm um, trying, like, basically, like the level design, uh, the way that they had, you know, the meditation points where your enemies all respawned and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like that anyway. As a, as a game, um, as a game mechanic, I don't think, I don't think it adds anything. Um, I, I can see why developers do it. I can see why people make games because like that. people because like of the- Dark
1: Souls. That's why they do it. <laughs>
0: No, but it's a weird one because people like Dark Souls, but do they like that element in Dark Souls or is it just in Dark Souls and that's when people like Dark Souls I, I, so people I, assume I, they like it? Like,
1: I, th- I think it's one and the same. They, they like Dark Souls in it and it's in it and uh, as a result, they like it and it's in Dark Souls, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't like Dark Souls, so <laughs> that's, that's probably the problem. But um, I much prefer more traditional kind of like you know, more linear adventures where you go from point A to point B and you fight all the people on the way and it's like a story. The idea of, like, you meditate and everyone comes back is just like a stupid game mechanic. that I'm like, I'd rather it was... Not stupid, I mean, but I, you could, if you like it, you like it. But I, I like the illusion that I'm, like, on a journey and uh, on a story doing things. I don't really need... I, three Stormtroopers that I've already fought 30 times to come back again because I just meditated. I I,
1: I didn't think their adherence to some of those Soulsborne ideas you know, caused them to lose any momentum when it came to the story they were telling or any sense of urgency that it was attributed to that story. Like, it still felt like an adventure to me, an action-adventure game, just one that was very heavily, very heavily Soulsborne-inspired.
0: Maybe, maybe. I mean, there was a... I'm trying to think, like, I, I get what you mean, but in the sense of, like, it's more of, like, the small mob creatures as well, or or, or um, um, uh, combatants as well. It's like, I don't need the same little arachnid, like, venom-spitting thing to appear every time I want to go and, uh, like, assign some skill points or, or heal up. Like, it just it just feels like a needless addition to the game. But it, maybe, maybe if it wasn't there, then I'd be like, this game is dead. There's no one here. Well, it would have to be a completely different
1: game, right? Like... If it, it were would, it would. wasn't there. They wouldn't be able to embrace any of those kind of Metroidvania elements. They wouldn't have the right. kind of like again. If you're going to create a game where you're giving uh, players items or equipment or abilities that allow them to access new areas and previously you know uh, explored regions or you know find new paths and so on and so forth, then you need to give them new things to fight every time they go back there. And if all those worlds were sparse, every time you killed those enemies once, then you're just running through empty Star Warsy terrain, and it's it's tricky. The because the the, cause the, it, yeah. the alternative is you have to make something that's you know black and white, linear, like the Force Unleashed was.
0: See, ah, oh, and I I I liked the Force Unleashed. I thought it was really good. But and I I wouldn't mind it if it was like when you revisited a place, the enemies were back. It's more like I don't like the mechanic of oh, do you want to rest and get your health back? You're gonna to have to fight the same enemies. It's almost like a it's almost like an annoying like NPC from, from a, a FromSoft game going, oh, are you sure you want to do that, Adventurer? It's going to be annoying when you get back out there and then you've got to fight the same people. I'm like, oh, for Especially when there's like certain enemies that you've already fought and you're like, oh, you, it's, or you, you go from A to B and you've had to fight a number of people and then you get killed by like a boss and then you have to run through that same section again and you're like, oh, really? And because it's too, I don't know. Like it's fine, it's fine. It's a cool game. And I do like it, but just some of those elements, I'm like,
1: <laughs> you pumped the brakes um, quite hard there.
0: Yeah, I was like, how much are they going to adhere to it? But I'm interested to see. Yeah, I just wanted to do some cool lightsaber swinging. Really, that's what I was playing it. So. I mean,
1: there is that, and you can end. You end up choosing the color of your lightsaber.
0: So yeah, you get a lot of uh, a lot of choice and stuff to sort of um, you know with your lightsabers. I think I've got. Could you? I think you'd have jewel as well. I've got like a, a double-ended one and a and a single I bet one you do. or whatever. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you can have, you can dual wield as well, can't you? I,
1: I mean, like yeah, I, I don't know if people consider that a spoiler anymore. I guess it's been out long enough. But yes,
0: you can. I have no idea how far I'm into the game either. I need to. I don't I mean know if, if I'm you've like, got
1: the if you've got the, the the dual wielding that I think you're you not. Did you
0: ever finish it? No, no, I didn't. This is what oh I was wow, like, I, to I back. see.
1: Okay. I, I
0: got to a point where I was like, I was fighting the brother the Brotherhood or whatever they're called. And they were just annoying me. And the and it was like an annoying level and planet. And I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. So I just stopped playing it. And then yeah, I went back in. Enough. And the problem is going back into this thing you stopped before because you weren't really enjoying it is rough to try and get through. Because then you've forgotten true. how to play it. And you've forgotten the mechanics. And you've got to pick yeah. up again. So, yeah. Weird. But I don't want to drag on about Star Wars anyway. So I think we should talk about Blue Box Games and Abandoned because we were teasing it earlier on. Um, and we haven't spoken about it for a little while and we, we covered it a few times back in the, uh, it's Kojima, it's not Kojima days, but there's been some interesting developments. Um, and it's kind of an ongoing thing as well. So we thought we'd, um, we talk about it. It, We, okay. (laughs) Okay. Let me start by saying when we were talking about Silent Hill and we were talking about corroboration and a lot of people have said, this is definitely happening. You know, there are multiple sources for this. This is not that this is some random Twitter people who've now deleted comments, deleted their accounts with a little bit of backup from some more established uh, tweeters. But let me start with saying allegedly, 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 and some people have said, so you can just slide that in. So I'm not going to have to say it the whole way through the story and then we won't get sued, um, you know, if anything's completely made up. But the reason we want to talk about this is because it came out this week that um, there have been some leaks around Blue Box and Abandoned. And that it may well not even be a game and was never intended to be a game, Jamie, because it was, in fact, a scam from the get-go. And that Hassan Karaman is not Kojima. It is not going to be this new Silent Hills game that everyone was hoping. It was always, Jamie, a cheeky little scam to get investors to pump money into their company um, and then they could basically cancel the game and move on. Are you surprised to hear this latest development? Um...
1: Surprise, No. Surprise would be I think a bridge too far. Like th- there's always been an air around everything blue box, everything Hassan, everything abandoned. That it's not what it's real, not what it uh, looks like. It's not what it's presenting to be. It's not what Hassan describes it as. Um, and like if you had asked me this time last week before we got the latest revelations and the latest leaks and you know the various sort of comments and conjecture that we're going to get into in a moment. What I thought blue like it, once and for all, what I thought abandoned was, I say I would have said it was a, a a an independent first person horror game or survival horror game, or not even not even first person, an independent survival horror game that was planned out by um, an overly ambitious but slightly naive uh, independent game studio based in Holland. They made a trailer like almost like a mood piece for the game that got them way more attention than they ever thought they would get. Meanwhile, there was actually no evidence of a game. And so, but, but in order to try and maintain the hype and excitement and anticipation for the title, they um, either, manuf- at times manufactured, but more often than not, lent into the links that people were creating between them and Silent Hill and Taddeo Kojima and Konami, and also strung people along As much as they could with things like that whole thing last year of like the thing you could download that ended up having a five second video on it, all that bullshit. Like anything that they could do to try and like basically extend the runway. Like you know, with like that, um, like not Looney Tunes. It's like the the thing where the 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 trains are about to go off the tracks. He's laying down the tracks in front of the train as fast as he can. (laughs) The cartoon. Uh, it, it, It was like that. And the the pieces that were that that track was assembled with involved, you know, you know, leaning into, like I said, those links and and any attention they could get because it was all positive, right? Like, and I'm sure there was a part of them that knew they never needed to make a game, they never needed to actually release anything. Like Hassan Karaman is a name now. I just I know that name. I don't even right, look yes. at the script. Like Blue Box Games is a name. They don't need to do anything. Like they've already won in some respects. But I'd be lying if I. Like, I'd be lying if I said I expected the scam element to kind of come into it. I knew it was vaporware, that it might not
0: exist, but scam I wouldn't have said, I knew. It's it's a slightly strange one because I think I I would agree with exactly what you've said. It seems like um, they they had something in development. It kind of became bigger than they thought, and then they ran with it. I think you're to me that seemed absolutely right. What you've just said seems bang on. This kind of pushes it a little bit further and says that it's not only is it um, that, but it's all it goes further, and it was an outright scam in the sense of there was no intention ever to make a full game, and the intention was always to make a demo, was to get people to install it. Um, and was then to use that sort of like to leverage uh or, or to leverage that to then say to investors hey look we are we've got this access we're on playstation probably to use some of the sony stuff like oh you know we're um we're working with these people from Sony so look how good we're doing you should put money into us um it does get a little bit sort of like confused as to how much of it is true that the scam story because um one of the people that actually originally did the leak has now like deleted everything. It was picked up by Lance McDonald on Twitter, who um uh we've sort of referenced before um on um this show and talked about, you know, leaks and things in the past. Uh and he sort of uh, has retweeted a number of the the tweets from the um initial leaker who has basically said that not only um were they leaning into it, like you said, Jamie, they actually had meetings um at Blue Box Games where they were effectively saying we're going to create fake images to put out um to kind of push the silent hills narrative uh, that we've got the um that we're going to do a number of things in order to foster that in order to push that idea to create i suppose the bubble around the game um to keep the excitement there I, I, I there's no way that they'd started out with this intention i don't think i think sure they they lent into it i don't think they started out with the intention of being like we're going to scam people to make think make them think this is silent hills i i don't believe they they would have been if they did, they should get hired by like the next whatever developer who's looking to like push a game, do an ARG or whatever, because that means that they are so good at marketing. <laughs> they they should get. I mean, Hassan Karaman should get is, his hand bit off by a number of companies. The thing is,
1: they're not though, because the best marketing that ever happened for them or their product was done by people on the internet who got the wrong end of the stick or were so desperate for something that didn't exist that they made this real. They did they, the marketing. But,
0: but if, if you believe some of this scam, you have to believe that that was the intention almost from the get-go. I don't and believe that so.
1: Because no, like, you go back to the original like Reddit posts, there were people who were breaking down the fact that if you translate Hasan Karaman's name back into Japanese or something, that it's Hideo Kojima. We now know that there were so many bits of information like that that were incidental. Like, Hasan Karaman is a, is a real dude and that's just his name and he's nothing to do with Hideo Kojima. I don't believe that... I. I I think of course they lent it. It's not, they, it's not, his name's Brian. Oh cool, yeah, big big Brian <laughs> Brian Conrad. Um <laughs> like, I, I think they they ran with it at some point and lent into it at others. But again, I I don't think this was a marketing masterclass. I think this was a happy coincidence that they then that then became a question of how do we monetize this.
0: But that's so this is what I'm saying. There's a point at which like if you believe it's an outright scam and you believe that from the get-go they had no intention of making a game and it was all the push the silent hill narrative. Then you would have to say that they are marketing geniuses. However, no, I, I don't. I, no, but if that was the intent, let's say three, let's say like three, four years ago, they I think sat it became the said,
1: oh, okay, three or four years, sure.
0: And they said we're gonna make it. Uh, we're gonna make people think that we're making a Silent Hill game. We're only gonna release a demo. We're gonna get it really popular online, and then we're gonna get invested. Like you would have to agree that that would make them marketing geniuses if they did that.
1: Yes, but they didn't. They no, fell into I, it.
0: I agree with you. I, I don't think that is that far back. I think they fell into it after, like, the internet took it and ran with it and yes. made it something which it really was. Although I do
1: believe that they have they ne- well that once this whole thing started to spiral out of control, that they never had any intention of making a game. Oh no! Yeah, like, I completely. Like- agree, yeah. Weird analogy, but I'm, you of all people well, I mean, know when, what I, when I mean. When
0: Hassan was like 8K textures, you're like, this man yeah. doesn't know how to make no, games. But, but also, like you'll, you
1: of all people know exactly what I mean when I say that Blue Box Games finally releasing a full price product or any kind of retail product called Abandoned is like the only fans or Patreon equivalent of finally showing your you-know-what.
0: Right, like, yes.
1: Like, it's the thing that people think they want it's the thing that you're holding back from people but it's also the thing that once they've seen it for what it is they go okay cool nice i'm moving I on i love now. that
0: how i love that you started that way saying i would totally get this what yeah you're there, you're, you because yeah, you're you're a dirty dog mate everyone knows i do it. i do totally get that what you're saying yeah yeah like this is the thing if they show the goods then you know it's not what you thought it was and you know that it's a low rent uh like oh it's a small studio making a low rent game they don't really know what they're doing it's a bit crap. You're right. They've got to keep that illusion going. Yeah. It's, it's the... It's the um, yeah, no, I'm, I could get filth with it, but I'm not going to. Yeah, no, I could, you're absolutely right. No, you are right. You are 100%. They, they, um, they,
1: they, the, the second that this took a life of its own, they knew that, like, they could never release a product called Abandoned. I think that you don't have to be, like... Even halfway to being a smart individual to know that that was the case. Like, to, for them to be aware of that that was the situation they were in. They could never release anything. It was all about getting as much as they could out of what little they had, and that, given how strenuous it was. The part that I guess I didn't put two and two together on was the potential for this to turn into some kind of scam or for them to fleece, whether it's consumers or whether it's investors, whatever the case may be, for financial gain. I guess I... I hoped that this would end up being a more innocent story than that.
0: It's it's I I I I'm going to leave purposefully a few seconds right now because I don't want people to get really mad at me because I'm I'm one of the people on the train. So I don't want people to get angry and and start to spit their cherry coke out when I say this, but there is a there is a, a continuation from I think what Blue Box are doing with abandoned and something like Star Citizen from Cloud Imperium Games, because there is a there is a continuum whereby one is a scam where they're trying to get money and there's no intention of ever having a product, whereas you look at something like Cloud Imperium Games where full, I fully believe they intend to release a Star Citizen game and they want to make it the thing that they've always said it's going to be, and it's going to be incredible. But there's kind of a similarity there in that they both, as soon as they both come out, and you act, like you said, as soon as you both release that game, the story's over. The idea of the, um, the production being the most exciting point yeah. and, and, you know, always wondering what the potential could be. It's like, a, it's like a present at Christmas. When you're holding the present and it's all wrapped up and you don't know what it is, it is pure potential. It's, it's Schrodinger's cat. Until you open the box, mm. you don't actually see it. And I, 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 think, um, I think that's one of the things, it's one of the problems with making games that promise the world, like Star mm. Citizen. As soon as you open that box and you see what it really is and you go, oh, it's yeah. not. What I thought was going to be abandoned as soon as you open the box and look, oh, it's just another indie studio that have tried to make a really good Mm. horror game and failed. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things. Like, Um, like
1: um, I can't remember if we talked about it in the podcast or not because it has over the recent years been the subject of a a pretty good documentary, a feature length documentary, and (sighs) most recently a dramatised series. But Theranos, uh, Elizabeth Holmes's. company right. that claimed to be able to uh, produce you know blood test results from a tiny, you know, like one, <laughs> one drop. drop of blood uh, or something. Yeah, yeah, one drop size that comes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Pin, pin, pin. Elizabeth
0: Holmes. Exactly,
1: Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. The widest eyes and the deepest voice on a woman ever. Um, Hello there, I'm Elizabeth Holmes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that was my Elizabeth Holmes laugh for anyone listening. Um, but that was, it was exactly that. It was like, it was, it was you know, the, to fake it to you make it taken to the nth degree. And it was like, You can't show people the thing that they think you're making, because one, you're not making it, and two, in that case, you can't make it, which is also probably the situation with Abandoned. But what was happening in the meantime, people were getting interested, people were getting enthusiastic, people were excited about the prospect, because if you talk about something with enough confidence, and you let people's imaginations run wild as to what the possibilities are with the thing you're claiming you're making, then... I mean, in Hassan's case, we're talking about, you know, Twitter followers and Reddit posts, but Theranos' case, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of investment and thousands of jobs in the end. And then you yes. get into the weird kind of, like, mentality of a Hassan Karaman or an Elizabeth Holmes, which is, to what extent was it malicious? Um, and, you, again, you talk about scamming. Like, one of my favourite um, kind of things that they go into in the in the documentary about Theranos and um it's, there's a guy that they uh, keep talking to, and I think he's a psychologist of some kind, or he or he's a you know behavioral therapist, or, or he studies human behavior, something in that realm, and he gives a an interesting case study, and it I it's a I it, have to cut it down because I, I don't want to talk for too long, but essentially it was a simple test involving. Um, the role of a die and the potential financial a potential financial reward um, for individuals based on what they guessed, but they were trusted to reveal whether or not they'd guessed things right in this uh, study, and they were they did multiple iterations of it, and what they found that what they found was that on a base level. People are willing to lie for financial gain. If you tie them up, attach them to a lie detector. Most of those people are no longer willing to lie for a financial gain. And if you tie them to a financial detect, tie them up to a lie detector and tell them that that financial gain will be passed on to a charity, as many people will lie as they did before. But the lie detector won't detect any more people. So it's like that is that kind of interesting human psychology thing: of is if you get deep enough to believe your own bullshit. Then you don't know. You no longer see it as doing a bad as a, a bad thing. And then I wonder if we look back around to Hassan and like how he was the last time we talked about him. He was out on Twitter adamantly defending himself. If he genuinely believes in abandon and what they're doing, or what they're making, and thinks it's just a question of time and faith and money, then you know maybe he, the, uh, the word scam becomes a tricky one to use.
0: I think th- I think it does because you've got to imagine that someone like him. Maybe what he's thinking is if we get the money for abandoned. We can then make another game, which is the game we really want to make, which is the really cool game that everyone would like, but we couldn't afford to make it. So we had to make Abandoned. It's, it's funny because like like I, I sort of drew a line between um, Abandoned and uh, Star Citizen. I think you could draw a line between like um, Theranos and uh, or Elizabeth Holmes and Elon Musk. Like both of them have spouted bullshit at times. One like, but they, you know, like hyperloop and and flying around the world in rockets, like is is bullshit. Like it it would never work. But he got away with that because he was at PayPal, made a load of money. Tesla's done well, made a load of money. The only and the difference is that he's not messed around with people's health like Elizabeth Holmes did. So people are more prepared to sort of accept when he messes up and says something stupid. People go, oh, he's you know he said something stupid. Whereas Elizabeth Holmes is the sort of person who was like she messed with people's well being. And it, she may well have intended that if we get enough money, we can actually make this one blood drop thing work. The fact that it was never going to work because the technology didn't exist was, yeah, it was here nor there. So it's like you said, it's, it's that justification about scam, yeah. not scam. You're like, it's interesting, man. It's very interesting. But that is not the end of the story, Jamie, because um, about sort of less than a day ago, 20 hours ago, um, Lance McDonald, um, who has now deleted a whole load of his tweets – so we had to go to some, like, next dodgy site in order to just get the story because it seemed like it was sort of scrubbed from the internet. Um, actually, had a statement originally on his Twitter that he's now deleted, and he said, "You're gonna find out why I deleted that statement from Hassan about the abandoned leaks really soon, and you'll understand why I don't want my name around his when that shitstorm goes down. Um, so you've got to assume that something is uh, maybe coming. Um, I think, if I had to guess... It would be that Sony have caught wind of uh, this and have maybe looked into it and have realised that it's all a load of bollocks and it was never going to be a game. It was vaporware and effectively are going to, you know, release a statement or something saying, "This, these people are bullshit. We're not working with them. We have nothing to do with them." Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Snip, snip them off.
1: And finally, kill the story once and for all.
0: Yeah, and then and then there'll be um, that'll be the end. That'll be the end, and then Hassan will pull off the mask, and Kojima will be underneath, and we'll all start yeah.
1: again. It's gotten to the point where it wouldn't even be worth it. Like if if it, <laughs> if if the mask comes off and it's Hideo Kojima, I turn around and say, "Kojima-san, this is the dumbest thing you've ever
0: done. <laughs> this was too much."
1: Yeah, you're like you're like eighteen months late on the reveal.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sh- you should have come out a while ago. because yeah. this is this has been. As soon as
1: it got its own subreddit, you should have pulled the mask off.
0: Yeah, it's far too late. Um but Jamie, that is the end of the story when it comes to that. But I know that you had a couple of little um a little some quick takes that you wanted to uh you wanted to chat about.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, do, do you want me to throw them out there or should we Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I think you I think you should. And then we'll have a little chat about them.
1: Absolutely. Well, I thought one thing we could talk about is more of an update on a story from I guess that's been unraveling over the last couple of weeks and or months, so if you go back into the rumory leaky stage. But we have finally got a far clearer look and a far better idea of what PlayStation's lineup for its updated PlayStation Plus offerings are going to look like. Uh, we've already talked in the past about how kind of, they are um, rolling up uh, PlayStation Plus and uh, services like PlayStation Now into one package and adding levels to that. So there's like an essential tier and there's like a slightly up, more upgraded premium tier and then there's the dog's bollocks tier. Um and we knew that there were going to be things like libraries of games, there were going to be game trials, there were going to be classic games. We have basically now got a solid look at the list of games that are going to be coming out when this service launches. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I I thought it was pretty positive, but there's been mixed opinions. Do you, do you um remember what your take was based on that? Your first look at that list.
0: Oh, I. D- I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I was kind of like, okay. Like, I, I didn't right. really have any okay. feelings one way or the other. Like, I think a lot of people were getting an, maybe a little bit annoyed because, although it was never going to be a Game Pass for PlayStation, I think some people maybe still thought it was going to kind of be a Game Pass for PlayStation. Um, yes. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just an updated version of PlayStation Plus and it was like a, you know, so but I, 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 I yeah, I don't really know. I, it didn't really change my opinion on the whole thing either way. I thought it was I thought they've kind of rebranding and, and just changing up a little bit was never going to be anything that amazing. Based on the library of games you got when you got a PlayStation yeah. Five and stuff like that, it was always going to be a little bit of a damp squib.
1: Yes, I, I I kind of completely agree with you in so much as that people's reactions to this, in my opinion, like just based on what I, I I've observed, tends to track along the lines of the more you anticipated it to be this big, new, exciting thing, the more disappointed you are, inevitably going to be. Because like you said, this is really just a consolidation of their current services and all the things they already offered. They're just making it more streamlined and maybe juicing up a little bit. As if to emphasize that, the, the price difference between the uh, PlayStation Plus Essential tier and the PlayStation Plus Extra tier, Essential being basically what PlayStation Plus is now, and extra being the thing that gets a big catalogue of PS4 and PS5 games that you can download and play. Is like three, four pounds a month here in the UK. Right. Like you're not gonna play, pay that much more and get, you know, and, and find that Horizon Forbidden West is on there and all of a sudden that's £70 pounds you don't need to pay. Um so it was always going to have that asterisk next to it of like, hey, this is them Consolidating PlayStation Now and making it more accessible. There are some cool things on there, though. Uh, things was, st- was Returnal was going to be on there, right? So Retur- Returnal is in terms of PS5 games, like uh, which you know, was- yeah. So Returnal's on there. Um, Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales is on there. So again, these are games right. that if you bought a PS5 now, um, you would just be able to sign up for the PlayStation Now extra tier, PlayStation Plus extra tier, excuse me, and have these games ready available to you. Um, Demon Souls, which, you know, I think is, again, a solid kind of offering that fits in with that, you know, came out in that launch window, um, and then the director's cut versions of Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima, and then they also threw Destruction All-Stars in there, although, again, most people already got that for free as a PlayStation Plus title. Um, and again, think- there are a few other PS5 games in there that uh, come from their partners, Um one thing to note is that Ubisoft are getting really behind this and Ubisoft have actually created a new service called Ubisoft Plus Classics, which basically is them right. taking basically the games in their back catalogue that they deem as old enough, putting them up into one package and adding it to what PlayStation offering at no extra cost. result of that means, for example, that the PS5 version of Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a part of this. Um, the PS5 version of Control Ultimate Edition is there. One that is interesting considering there were rumors Xbox paid a lot of money for it is that the PS5 version of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is a part of this service. Um uh the PS5 versions of Mortal Kombat Eleven, NBA two K twenty two, and the Artful Escape. Um they are all there. Um and then there's, you know, tens of other PS4 games from things that again were part of that kind of PS Plus collection, like Days Gone or God of War and so on and so forth to you know, things that are just—I don't even know—like dead cells and Batman: Arkham Knight, or. I think
0: other, my, yeah. my my take from um, it hasn't really changed in the sense of the PlayStation Five is is got a bit of a problem, which is that a it's hard to get hold of, although it is becoming easier, and you know should become easier this year. I get um, later on this year. But if you can get hold of one, games are very expensive. If you want to get a PlayStation Five game, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna be spending like you know over three hundred quid to get the PlayStation Five, and then every time you want to get a new game, it's going to cost you a decent chunk of change. So for me, the thing with this always was: this is a great thing to get when you first get a PlayStation Five or have had one for a little while, and you want to play a bunch of PlayStation Five games, you know, very affordably. I think that's what it is. It's a great idea, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff on there that hey, you might say, oh, I never played that. I don't really want to spend a bunch of money. So this is quite a good um, product, you know, to dip in some older PlayStation 4 titles, et cetera. I think the thing it falls down on, I think that other pe- that people kind of got a bit, com- not confused about, but maybe they were hoping for something a bit different, was that whereby Game Pass is like, oh, every Xbox game launches yeah. on Game Pass, you can play it. This was never going to be that. PlayStation Studios games were never going to drop day one onto onto these services yeah, and I I think once you've got the cert, once you're paying for your, whatever tier you're going to pay for, um, you're still going to get new games every month that you can play, but you're not going to be getting brand new games, really exciting games dropping in for free. Like you might occasionally like get stuff, but I kind of feel like it's going to be after say six months, you're going to go, I've, exhausted everything I kind of wanted to exhaust on that list, and I'm going to have to wait a long time for something else to drop on there that yeah. I, I want to play. But it's, it's, it's a good list of games, like if, especially if you haven't played a lot of them. Um, it's not bad by any stretch, but it's not no. yes, it's, it's Like, uh, Chris, it's
1: it we were talking to Chris because he's obviously a Soulsborne guy playing my like Elden Ring at the moment, but he doesn't... Uh, he has a PS5, but doesn't have Demon Souls. And so, like, right. this is a way for him where even if he just signs up for one month and just, like plays Demon's Souls, like maybe he plays a couple of hours of Returnal because he never played it, or he wants to see what I don't know. He wants to go back to Red Dead Redemption Two because he didn't feel he gave it a fair show. Or Marvel's like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. That's something he heard us two talk about. Never played it himself. Like you can dip in and out of a service like this and play a couple of pretty big heavy hitters, like you said, save yourself a few hundred quid on titles, and um, and and you kind of got your your money's worth. Where, where it becomes a slightly trickier long-term prospect is if you wanted to pay the big boy service, which is PlayStation Plus Premium, where you start to get game trials and classic games, for me, the options start to get a bit shakier. Um, to give you an example, uh, the uh, original PlayStation and PSP titles... That have been included um in can again, I'm not suggesting that it's super easy to go out and license PS1 games or emulate PS1 games, but like this felt like a a library that it would be pretty easy to kind of like stack full of classics. Even that you know that you remember that dinky plastic PlayStation they the, what do they call those things when they released the mini versions of the consoles? Nintendo oh, did it for a couple. It was just,
0: it was just mini, wasn't it? Was, yeah, was it, it mini? PlayStation Mini or something Maybe. like that. Maybe. Yeah. But
1: even that, like they went Insanely out and got. Insanely like,
0: expensive. They were so expensive to try and get hold were, of now. Yeah, Bloody yeah. expensive.
1: And mine, I've never taken mine out of the box. But even when you look at that <laughs> list of games, like they went out and they got like Metal Gear and I think they I think they got one of the Tony Hawk. I don't remember. But like you look at this, I'll read out every single OGPS1 game Ape Escape, Hot Shots Golf, IQ Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, Siphon Filter, Mr. Driller. Tekken 2, Worms World Party, and Worms Armageddon.
0: For anyone Worms counting. Armageddon
1: was good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Jonesy, that was uh ten I said uh wait, excuse me, I said nine games there. Yeah. And two two of them were Worms games. And like I, I'm sure there are people out there that really want to play jumping flash or IQ intelligent cube, but when you're launching a service, a PlayStation service for nine PS1 games, like it's basically it's Ape Escape, Hotshots, Siphon Filter, and Tekken 2. Because, uh, shoot me, I don't need to play more Worms right now in my life.
0: No, I, I, I agree. I, the one, the only thing about this, uh, I'm not, like, I'm a bit, like... It'd be interesting to see is because they've said, haven't they, that the higher tiers... As, at the moment, you get, like, the PlayStation Plus monthly games. They yes. have said that you will get, like, PlayStation 5 uh, monthly r- games, like you do now with the PlayStation Plus. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I would love to... I would, I would like to know going forward, like, an, a year down the line what sort of what those titles are. Which what sorry, what what about. titles are you referring to? Oh, because they've said, haven't they, that with the PlayStation as you get now PlayStation Plus games, haven't they said that with if you get the highest tier, they will be putting like PlayStation 5 titles on the that monthly like games for May or whatever, you'll get like a PlayStation 5 game. I, I
1: don't think the PlayStation Plus games are any different uh depending on like the quote-unquote PlayStation Plus games are well, the, the top tier. What's
0: that? I don't know what. What's the? I don't know what, the, what's the to, I don't know what they're calling that. The, the top it, tier. The, the
1: top tier is, premium? is called premium. Yeah.
0: Um, the only yeah, thing. That, so, sorry, go for it. when I was going to say, I'm, I didn't. I thought. I thought they said that they would have a different, like different games released across each tier. So instead of PlayStation, it's not. It's the same. Is it the same? My as, understanding
1: is, it, my, is that, like, yeah, the the, the quote-unquote PlayStation uh, okay. Plus games, like the two or three free yeah. titles every month, will be the same across. I might be oh, okay. wrong there.
0: I, I thought that they were going to do like a different thing for each tier. And I, I was, because then I was thinking that you would get at least an update, you know, oh, there's a PlayStation 5 game on there, which you kind of get at the moment, but it's you don't often.
1: Yeah. But Pre- I was going the to say, premium, to know get, what premium gets with. the classic titles and it gets the game trials.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So, and the game trial thing was a weird one as well, because like we were saying, who the, to be made to do that, and then you know who the hell yeah. going to do it, and who's uh, going to agree
1: to it. So, the game trial thing, it is a a two hour trial of the full game. Um, the playtime counter only counts when you're in the game, and it's a great way to try games before you decide to buy. At launch, they're going to have for PlayStation side of things, Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection, which feels like a very strange game to trial unless you really just want to see. Get two hours worth of looking at how much better those games look and Horizon Forbidden West. And on the third party side, interestingly enough, it's Cyberpunk, uh, Farming Simulator 22, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and WWE 2K 22. Mm. Um, so, yeah, two hour trials of each of those available for people on the highest of tiers.
0: And we don't even have long, do we, to see, um, to actually, for this to actually take effect, for the um, PlayStation to make the change, because it's going to be happening. Uh, when is it, we we'll gonna find the date here uh, about a month or so for Europe, June 23rd so not the, long at all
1: yeah this kind of touched on what you were saying Jonesy so PlayStation Plus Essential which is the baseline and is what we're all technically on now a monthly refresh will occur on the first Tuesday of the month for the PlayStation Plus Essential plan and both higher tiers with new PS4 and PS5 games added to the service same as what PlayStation Plus members get today
0: yeah, which is what we get, yeah.
1: And an extra and premium, it says an additional monthly refresh will occur in the middle of each month with new games across the PlayStation Plus, extra and premium plans. The number of games refreshed will vary per month. Which I presume is oh, okay. referring to like that big catalogue of games.
0: So that, so there might be so for those higher tiers there'll be an extra refresh um It sounds every month. But, but I don't but think then that's the I don't, thing, I I like, like I, what what's what are they gonna do? Like are they gonna they're not gonna give you a new game, like a new Oh, this game just came out. It's going to be like a.
1: Well, well, I think they're talking about adding to that the the catalog of titles that you can just download and play. Which right. it, it, the weird thing is, like, it functions identically because even PlayStation Plus games you need to have an active account to play them. So this yeah. will still function. It's just another tier, and it's like <laughs> instead of having three games a month, you have like a hundred games indefinitely.
0: It's just, and then they add some,
1: yeah. So yeah, so, yeah. Add, add I, so I, like cu- I could see a thing where it's the start of the month. It's like hey, here's the three games for this month. For, like this month, it's FIFA, Tribes of Midgard, and Curse of the Dead Gods, or whatever it's called. And in the middle of the month, it's like, oh, today we're adding fucking Wreckfest to the to the to the PlayStation game, the PS5 game catalog for PS Plus Extra and Premium plans. Yeah, I don't know.
0: It's, it's gonna be like, weird. It's... It'll be weird for about a week, and then everyone will be like, "Ah, oh, it's no different. <laughs> it's just it's yeah. just a different menu like system." I just instead of having to go to three different things now, it's just all under one heading or something. Yeah,
1: that is true. Uh, true.
0: But keeping the uh, conversation about games going, um, Ubisoft's elusive Roller Champions, Jamie, is finally going to be coming out, <laughs> and it's going to be released next week.
1: Yeah, for this free. Is just a, yeah, this is just a funny one to me because it feels like we've had so many conversations over the last couple of months about how we've got. No idea what the fuck Ubisoft are doing and where certain <laughs> games are. So for this to just reappear and be like, "Yeah, it's out next week and it's free," is kind of like it's almost the cherry on top. Um, it's,
0: it's Ubisoft's marketing has been awful, I think, as well recently. So it's they've just seem to randomly just they talk about a game, they push it, they do quite well, and then the actual release is just like what it was the same as with um uh, so with. Oh, what is it called? I can't even remember. I've got the damn game and I can't remember what it's called. The, you know, the Riders Republic. Riders, Riders Republic. Republic. They did a whole beta thing. They had a big like, oh, are you excited about a Riders Republic? And then when it actually came out, it was almost like a just forgettable experience. No one even mentioned it. It was the same with Watch Dogs Legion. They just kind of, they were talking about it for years and they were talking about all this. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. You can change all different people. And then when they released it, it was almost like they didn't want to release it. And they just sort of went, oh yeah, by the way, that game came out. It's and this is a game that we talked about a few times, like over the years, and then they have not mentioned it for ages, and suddenly it's just slipping out for free. Yeah,
1: it was announced which, three years ago,
0: which is bizarre. Like, is it that bad that they're just sort of going, we don't want to announce it, we don't really want to talk about it, we just want to slip it out because we've made it? So I
1: think it got caught up in the cycle where they just like they didn't know what to do with it. And as if to illustrate that point, another interesting footnote about Royal Champions. No PS5 or Xbox Series X versions. This is a previous-gen game that is you have to play in backwards compatibility mode.
0: Uh, do you know what I hope happens with this? I hope it absolutely smashes it. People love it. And Ubisoft go back to it and like, oh my goodness, we're going to make an updated version because people oh. love it so much. I can't believe it. so... The, the trailers if don't it's look It's going to become terrible. the next big streaming game. The next big <laughs> eSports game. Well, it
1: worked for Hyperscape, right? People loved that. Um... It does, it does look fun. Like, it has that thing that, you know how Like every year since Rocket League, like eight times a year we'll go, oh, this looks like it could be the new Rocket League because yes. it looks like it's free and it's fun and it's accessible. This is just one of those where it's like, oh, it's people roller skating around in circles and like kind of playing dodgeball and slash handball at the same time. Um, right. If it's fun, it'll be fun. Like we downloaded what was the game we just talked about? Roll not um, destruction. Yeah, All stars. stars. And we played that together. And like it was like okay, this is free and dumb and not that good, but okay. Um, and then we it forgot was, about but it. it was
0: supposed it was supposed to be a full price game. <laughs> true, true, Actually, that but is like, <laughs> no one no one played for free. <laughs> so imagine if you paid for it. Oh, uh,
1: that's an important caveat. You're right.
0: <laughs> Which is because it's a weird. It's, there's a weird space now in that. I think, and I've taught, I've said this before, I th- I feel like there are games that come out that are supposed to be one thing, but then the, the players make them something else and they become uh, like an entity unto themselves that the developer maybe never really had. They didn't have in mind it was going to be that successful based on like whatever. Like Rocket League is a good example because it came out the way people play that game and the, the insane stunts and things people like managed to do and, and they, they kind of made it this insane thing on their own. And then every time it seems like they try and introduce new game types and things, they don't work because everyone's like, What are you doing? Why what are you giving me basketball for? Why have you given me like some weird uh, like American football stuff? I just want to play Rocket League. It's like the developers don't even know what makes the game good. And so I think that must come off when you're making a game as well, like Roller Derby, All Stars Champions, <laughs> what this is called, in that they surely are trying to make a good esports game, but they don't know how to do it. Or they they know how to make a game, but they don't know what's going to make it popular and so you've probably got no idea until you actually release it
1: I mean so. yeah I think I think there is a certain, uh, nowadays more so than ever when you're releasing a game that is a got a relatively simple premise and you know it's gonna live and thrive off the support it receives in a competitive multiple player environment. yeah, you are just kind of putting it out there and hoping for the best
0: absolutely i I think you can tell if a game is not going to be good. And that's by putting on a funny voice and then describing it as like someone, an overly excitable 23-year-old who's in a meeting. Like Destruction All-Stars. You can imagine them going, yeah, it's going to be a really good game where you, you drive around in an arena in a car and then See? you can get out the car and then you can jump and run and, you can, and you've can, got all these game modes. And I'm like, no. I liked, I
1: liked Destruction All-Stars <laughs> in theory. And my, I'm going to go ahead and say that if driving and crashing into people i.e. the fundamentals of a Destruction Derby game, felt better than I would have played a lot more of that game. and,
0: Maybe, I don't think you would. Do you know what you you would have played more of? Just Destruction Derby. Don't overthink it. Just make a Destruction Derby game. I think if they'd have just made a really, like a modern, very good-looking, great crash physics game with like particle effects and stuff, and said, there you go, it's a Destruction Derby game. I
1: mean, that's Redfest, right? Which is right. again? I d- I did play. I played more wreckfest than I played destruction Stars, So yeah, that kind of proves your point. Um,
0: think, don't ever think it, guys. Just chill.
1: Yeah. One thing that um, I'm not sure if it's been overthought or underthought, <laughs> or even thought of at all, um, is like uh, there were some kind of PlayStation stories that have been swirling around this past week because some, again, yeah, pinch of salt, asterisks, blah 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 blah. Some people think there might be some kind of PlayStation event or showcase next month in June, um, which in theory would time up with everyone else's. Um, And, you know, well, there have been a few hints here or there as to why that might be happening. For example, Tetsuya Nomura, um, who directed the Final Fantasy VII Remake and is involved in Final Fantasy XVI, said we will hear more about Final Fantasy VII Remake's future next month. Um, And people have reminded us all that... um, PlayStation, of course, have a marketing deal with Square Enix for both Final Fantasy games and development, Final Fantasy 16 being the other. So th- there's that weird feeling of like, if they appear anywhere, they should, in theory, be appearing at a PlayStation event, unless Square do their own Final Fantasy thing, which is possible. But the other weird Sony rumor that I have
0: to say about that, just quickly, two years too late. Oh, for, for Final Fantasy 7 Remake? Final Fantasy 7 Remake, episode two, should have come out two years ago. What the hell have they been doing? Like, why... It doesn't make any sense. They made, like, part one and then just went quiet.
1: Yeah. I, re- I remember saying to Chris at the time, after I finished the Final Fantasy VII Remake, and said to me... I said to him, even if you told me the second part was coming out in six months, I'm still not sure I'm committed to playing it. You had like, fucking two, three years to that time, and I'm like, I don't even fucking remember what happened in the first part. And exactly. I don't even know how many parts there are going to be.
0: It should have been... Do you know what? Six months, if it had been released... I don't remember like when in 2020 it came out, but if they'd have, let's say it was like middle of the year, if they'd have released, if they just said it's coming, the second part's coming out at Christmas, um, that would have been fine. If they'd have announced it like a month after part one and come out. But just to be silent for two years makes no <laughs> sense.
1: Yes, it like, is a weird what? marketing strategy. Um...
0: It's because it's not even like a, it's not even a second game. It's the it's a game that already has been out for Donkey's years. Yeah, they just they were going to do episodically. Like, what are you
1: doing? Especially because, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Final Fantasy sixteen came out first, which is also just like equally beguiling in in its own right. Because, um, like, I'd be almost be more inclined to play that because that's a new entry in the series, right. and I can like feel like I'm going in fresh without having to remember my, you know, kind of all the memories I'd repressed from Final Fantasy VII Remake because I didn't love that game as much as some other people did. Weird.
0: I, you know, I would I would agree with you, except I played Final Fantasy VII Remake Demo and I kind of got what was going on. I played Final Fantasy XV. I had no idea what was going on after like three hours of that game. <laughs> there, was some, yeah. there was some pretty people in a car... And I was driving, but it was open world, but it wasn't. And then I got out and I could fight people, but it was like turn based, but it wasn't. And it, it was bloody weird. That sounds like a
1: bit of a you problem. I can't lie. That is a,
0: sure. It was weird. And I was like, I just turned it off. You know, I just silently turned it off and then never went back to it.
1: Off. I feel like that, that's how a lot of your journey with a lot of games ends.
0: <laughs> no, because usually well, that's what, what you said about
1: Jedi Fallen Order earlier. You were like, I'm gonna silently no, no, turn this off.
0: <laughs> but that was like I was I was into it, and it was almost like I was I there was a, a I got frustrated with like you know a certain section or whatever. There was no frustration with Final Fantasy Fifteen. It was like I just don't know what's going on. It was like watching the new series of um, Twin Peaks, like the re the you know years later. I got like three episodes into that and just switched it off because I was like I don't know what they, I don't know what's going on. Mm. i just I have no interest.
1: Yeah, I'm or just like, t- when you're in t- another country and someone starts talking to you in a language, you don't speak, and you're like, I'm never going to see this person again. Like, I could just walk, I'm just going to yeah. walk in the opposite direction. They're going to, like, they're not going to do anything.
0: What are they going to do? Ex- I know exactly what you mean, and you just go like, they're like speaking German or whatever, or you're, you're Spanish or French, and you just go, Yeah, you
1: just walk just off. Yeah, just walk off. Like, what are they going to do? Speak, <laughs> speak more German at you?
0: You... <laughs> for about a second you're like try and act, act as- I'm going to act as though I know oh, nah, I'm out I don't know what's going on here I'm just leaving yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. well Jonesy the other part
1: of this story um, to- just talking about PlayStation and Sony and what they might actually have going on this year uh, beyond the you know never ending mystery around God of Wars release date is equally as confusing as uh, Square Enix's plans for Final Fantasy which is the prospect once again, of a uh, a Last of Us remake for the PlayStation 5, potentially in the Last of Us 2's engine, and uh, according to Jeff Grubb, that may well actually come out this calendar year. Would you play that? For anyone listening to the podcast, that was all thinking time.
0: No. I've already played it on PlayStation 3, then I got it on PlayStation 4, and I enjoy. Do you know what, I didn't finish it on PlayStation 3. I did finish it on PlayStation 4. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Then PlayStation 5... No, I guess PlayStation 4. I played the second one. I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm ready to go back and like... Oh, it's not been long enough. It's not been long enough.
1: Which is weird because... I I mean... Well, it actually depends. I, what, did you play... When did you play the, um, the PlayStation 4 remaster? Was it at launch?
0: uh no it wasn't at launch it was maybe i don't even know man maybe like 6 months after or something like that
1: okay because again even that like that would have been 6 months later would have been the end of 2014 so like it's still a, a wow that's a long time it's yeah it's still i think that's the weird thing about this is it's perhaps longer ago than people think it is but also it feels like not quite long enough for a game like the last of us
0: I think as well one of the things that we as we were talking about like uh, how you view a game in your memory the way I view the remake of the last of us part 1 I ticked a lot of those boxes with the last of us part 2 so I uh, got back into that world the world felt very similar and whilst it wasn't the same story it was obviously a continuation I don't feel and it hasn't been that long it hasn't felt like it's been that long since I played the last of us part 2 and it is a grueling game it's it's an emotional like you know it could be exhausting it is exhausting it is exhausting and i don't think i need a couple more years before i get back into it maybe
1: yeah no i i do get what you mean although there's also a part of me that is a real cuck for not just the last of us in general but projects like this that come out looking really good and One of the things that, like, Naughty Dog always pushed the boundaries, and I think The Last of Us 2 was a remarkable achievement from a technical and an artistic perspective, especially considering it was running on the PS4. They never, I think they, like, gave out a patch for the, The Last of Us that allowed it to run at 60 frames a second on the PS5, but they never gave it, like, an actual re-release like you know you know how Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima got director's cuts that added new content and made them like PlayStation 5 games The Last of Us 2 never got that so you know we've now had a couple of years almost with PS5s and we haven't seen what one of the most envelope pushing studios that Sony have to offer in their wheelhouse have done with that hardware and while I think it is a little bit you know of a it, it's not quite the same when it is essentially a retread of old ground like if they are able to successfully take the last of us put it in the last of us two's engine and push you know turn everything up to 11 because it's on the ps5 then that's going to be such a pretty and fascinating way to re-experience what is still one of the best stories that you know AAA action adventure games have told in recent memory um that I feel like I won't be able to say no I won't be able to say no.
0: It's funny, because when, when you say it, like, I, part of me is like, I don't, could I not play it? Like, I don't think I would, but then I'm like, could I not? And I don't know if I right. could not. I might have to, especially when I think of some of the, um, the latter stuff, would which would really benefit from, like, an overhaul visually. Um, and I would like to see that. Also, it markets itself, you just gotta say, Joel is alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then, there you go.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, um, there was everyone who really wanted to play as Joel for the last was part two gets their wish.
0: And like, get, oh, do you know you what know, will I, uh, a guarantee? I wonder if they'll add in Abby in oh, the okay. final uh, sort of few missions and she'll be as a kid knocking no. around and then you'll have videos of people trying to find her and shoot her in the face.
1: Maybe. I just thought of something else. Can we like, like, Spoiled some elements of the Last of Us Part Two at this stage.
0: Yeah, it's been out for ages.
1: But like, the, you you actually just touched on a really important issue, which is there's a character model at the end of the game, not Abby, but someone let, related to Abby. That if they are being like like if they are more like correctly lining up with the Last was Part Two, there's a very significant character model that has to change at the end of that game, mm. right? Not. By much, like not by much, but like there's a likeness that now has to be adopted by a character that in the original version was just generic.
0: Oh, I think that's a. I don't think that's even a. Like a, I think it's even a difficult th- decision. You just change it.
1: I know, but it, it, it'd be interesting to see that work be done because that that's a character that right. goes from like someone that again is a generic NPC essentially in the first one to being a character in the second game with a face and motion capture and a voice actor and a performance. And, like, they have to go back and add that, like, replace that model. That's going to be very interesting to see that character. And it it adds new weight to doing that deed.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. It does actually. It actually does. Also, I've played too much I've played, I've watched too much Star Wars recently to care about that. I mean, Lucas does Peach. that constantly I mean, yeah. he loves swapping out characters and old people and stuff for yeah. you know. You don't even to know to what version fresh. of the
1: Star Wars films you're watching, relatively speaking. <laughs> I've got like no idea. Like, all that all those edits have been done over the course of the last like forty years, feels like. So I,
0: I genuinely watched a YouTube video about the updates, about what they've done, and then I watched it back and was like, "Oh wow! I didn't even. Re- of course, this isn't what it would have looked like like thirty years ago. This is completely different. Like yeah. the CGI is basically modern." <laughs> but um, yeah, so no, no, I'm 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 down with that. I don't think there's a problem with with doing that at all. I do think there'll be. They could even introduce some interesting additional elements outside of that character you're talking about. Like they could add in some. Extra things, maybe like cheeky little Easter eggs and, and stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely could, absolutely I'd, could. It'd be interesting to see if they mess with it in any other ways. Um, I ho- like. I'm not sure if they would. I I'm hope not, sure not
1: just because I was one of the weirdos who replayed The Last of Us b- just before The Last of Us Two came out, which you know, again, we're we're talking about two years ago now, um, almost to the month, and I thought it held up really well. Um, right, story pacing um like the the game the gameplay could be tightened up like i think people were like fairly critical of some um uh, some of the third person shooting mechanics in the the last of us at its at its release but i i, I thought i thought broadly speaking it, it it was as i remembered it to be which was encouraging um okay and so that's why i hope they don't fuck with it too much cuz it doesn't it doesn't need doesn't need to be fucked with
0: no no it doesn't it doesn't at all yeah. Um well with that Jamie, I think there's one little last story just to mention which we could probably burn through in about 2 minutes. Yeah, probably. Um before we have to check out and that is Techland. Um are currently this is, and as as we know this is the preferred way for developers to um uh, reveal things uh, uh, these days. They are recruiting um and they are looking for some people to work on a uh, an open world fantasy action RPG which is a previously unannounced um open world fantasy action RPG. Um, that they're now recruiting for, and um, notably, though some of the development team um, are former CD Projekt Red staff, which is quite an interesting um, little—I don't know—would you say like a amalgamation of a cool, fancy RPG team? Yeah, working with that tech- also
1: just feels like a bit of Polish infighting. Like, like if CDPR <laughs> became a like a slightly difficult place to work uh, during the fallout of Cyberpunk, then if you're land you just kind of start firing off some emails, being like, "Hey." You can change jobs, come work for us. You can still live in Poland, and we'll pay you this. And I wonder if some people were just like, actually, fuck it. Yeah, I'm not spending the next two years patching this fucking piece of shit.
0: You, I wonder if there's a weird thing that Techland were like, kind of relieved when see when Cyberpunk wasn't just this insane, like best thing of the last sort of like of this generation kind of game, and it did mess up a little bit because they're like, thank God we, yes. we are, otherwise we're just going to look like these most second rate studio in uh, in Poland but actually not too bad
1: well yeah i mean and, and like they didn't completely fuck up dying Light 2 like dying Light 2 was probably a little bit too uh, like ambitious for its own good but like at least they kind of de- broadly delivered what people wanted from that game in a lot of cases at least
0: i think i actually think going more fancy um action RPG is the way to go for them because they need to get away from the idea of branching narrative storylines and we can change the world and all this, like just get back to the basics, keep it, you know, um, make sure you can show people what you do well and don't worry about messing around with that crap. Like it, it it's fine and dying like too. like it's obviously nothing like to the degree that they initially mm. said it was going to be, um, but just get back to the basics. Just make a good game that people enjoy and have fun with. Like they, they make worlds well, so yeah. I li-
1: but I like the idea that you're teary about an open world, fancy action RPG, and calling it going back to the basics when that could still be the most like overcomplicated like, bullshit ever conceived. Because okay, like yeah, open be. world, open world, fancy action RPGs. Like you're talking about like. You know the Skyrim's and witches in the world, and they are all massive and sprawling and no,
0: but they're, but they're super basic. Yeah, but they are super basic as well. They're like they are. Oh come on, I don't know. What, they, I don't
1: know what you mean by basic.
0: Oh, like they're, they're bread and butter. Get like look at Skyrim and stuff. As long as it, the game is written in a way that. Seems huge and like all-encompassing, but re- at the end of the day, is walk up to an NPC, talk to an NPC, pick like stop story doing line, this. You, do, you do this mission. all
1: the time when you try and be no, reductive but, it's, but, it's with good, games. but that's
0: a good thing. That's a good thing, though. I mean, I think it's important. You don't like it because it, it it takes away some of the magic. No, because
1: because but- yeah, it, it, it takes away the magic. Yeah, because it's like describing magic as yeah, flip card, move hand, pull out card, reveal card. Like that, I
0: ha- I do you know what as a aside, ma- the magic ma- is. I hate, point. I hate magic now. Like in general, whenever I see it on TV or whatever, I hate it because it's so obvious how the trick is done. It's so obvious. It bugs me all the time. But I quite like it when it comes to games that I don't mind that I can see how the game is made. I don't mind that I can see how the sausage is made as long as it is made well. And one of the problems you have is when you start to you start to think there is real magic and Techland and Cyberpunk, you know, uh, CDPR fell foul, fell foul of this a bit. Uh, you know, Cloud Imperium Games just started as a fail-foul of this a bit. They think that there is real magic and that if they just spend longer, they can make like a real world where everything will be, will just work like actual, like it's living, it's breathing. It's like, no, it's a game. You Just walk up to NPC, talk to NPC, get mission, go and do mission, do that stuff well and then worry about the rest of the stuff. So that's what Skyrim did really well. It wasn't some magical game that was super complicated under the hood. It was like, no, it works because they did all the stuff they needed to do really well. It was a- I,
1: I, I think that there are programmers and like coders out there who are fucking like having an aneurysm listening to you describe anything about the development of a game like Skyrim as simple or back to basics. Not
0: not not simple. I'd you know I'd say like compound complexity. Like you start with something, you just build complexity, and that's how you make. And that that makes the game at the end of it like more than the sum of its parts, if you like, because you start with something simple and you build simple and on simple and on simple, and you get like in, you know get you get very complex. I think the difference for me is that with something like Dying Light Two, or what they wanted to do with that was they started with incredibly complex and they tried to backwards work incredibly complex, and I think that that is something which doesn't seem to work. The, the, in Game, yeah, sure,
1: okay. That I, I'm beginning to agree with you on that line of thinking. Sure.
0: Whereas your Skyrim's and stuff seem to be. We start with character. It's narrative. We just meet person, talk, and then the story almost builds itself. And you bring on all these adjacent storylines and stuff like. And I think that's what makes great games is is compound compound simplicity that breeds that feeling of complexity. Um, yeah. Mm. So so I hey, hate. I hope they keep, I hope they keep it like that, and then they make a really cool open world fantasy RPG, of sure. which they are currently recruiting. And I hope
1: that they that the people stop tweeting out what they're making and start turning them into stupid trailers that have that develop developed or like made by an, an external studio or external company that they can send to the game awards or the summer game fest, so I can get excited for thirty seconds and then forget about them for three years. Please,
0: Please. do that. Please do that. That's how we want to be teased. We don't want a uh, you know, recruitment drive or a tweet or whatever and we also don't just want a logo don't just put a logo up and no. have people go I yeah. want logos bring back logos logos, logos are better are fine. than tweets at the end of an in-engine trailer that's what I want in-engine tra- gameplay trailer or it doesn't have to be gameplay just in-engine trailer followed by a logo that's fine do that N-
1: no Completely, cin- completely cinematic trailer based off like what you hope the game will look like when it comes out in eight years' time, made by made by an external company, made by like a production company that's nothing to do with the development of the game. Um, with just logo, just get us excited over nothing instead of tweeting. Please stop trying to rationalize game development. Stop trying to you know try and be upfront about things. Spoil so us one, with bullshit. The,
0: the the one of the worst for that ever was probably Beyond Good and Evil Two. Like, I was so hyped for that. I was like, oh my god, this is like one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And then it was it was pure paperware. Ne-
1: yeah, we never even saw the game. I I went, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I was listening to something very interesting the other day, which was exploring the curiosity around the uh, timing of uh, the announcement of Beyond Good and Evil 2 and all of Beyond Good and Evil 2's big, explosive, cinematic trailers with very little behind them, given the... The attempts uh, that Vivendi were making at the time to acquire Ubisoft, and how hard Ubisoft were fighting for their independ- their independence and their financial freedom, and to not be acquired. Um, very interesting. Dot dot dot. No conspiracy. Yeah. I'm not going to put my tin foil hat. <laughs> Make of it what you will.
0: That does sound very interesting. Might have to check out that. Was that a podcast you said you were listening to? Was that a po- was that a podcast you heard that on? And what were you what were you listening to it on? Oh no, I think Jamie can't hear me. I, I couldn't I
1: couldn't hear you but
0: now I can and oh, I'm back right. in the
1: room. There we go. So I
0: said was that a podcast that you heard that on?
1: I can't even remember. I think uh, I can't remember. It was just someone made an observation on the timing because oh, obviously right. uh, Ubisoft would in the news recently because like they were potentially looking at um was it teaming up with like like there were like private equity companies that were potentially coming in and investing in them and that was their way of kind of like being safe from a bigger acquisition from another like, you know, the kind of companies that are doing a lot of acquiring at the moment. Um and then people were talking about how it's funny that, you know, Vivendi were trying to acquire Ubisoft years ago and all of a sudden Ubisoft, you know, their their catalogue of games and what they're making became bigger and their unity became much more evident and at the forefront of all their E three showcases. So yeah, very uh, but again, I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on and suggest that Beyond and Evil 2 was always vaporware to try and artificially inflate the, um, the value of Ubisoft to try and put off potential acquirers. That's for you to decide.
0: Mm. And with that, that is the end of the podcast thank you so much for joining us uh, Jamie thank you for being here Chris we um, will be back soon I'm not going to say next week because I'm not actually sure uh, we are on YouTube and Twitter at Super Show Pod. if you want to reach out to us you can also catch us on podcasting platforms so make sure if you're watching us on YouTube and you want to li- listen to us on a podcasting platform you know like switch it up leave us a comment down below if you are on YouTube um, I'm trying to think of a little cheeky mm-hmm. phrase you can put in and I can't think of one any ideas Jamie?
1: I kind of want to take the piss out of you for um, for trying to simplify game design, but
0: simple Jonesy, there you go. If you it to this point, compound stupidity. Compound. St- I like that. Okay, that's good. Compound stupidity. <laughs> that's not um, me calling
1: you stupid. You're a very intelligent man.
0: If you made it to this point in the um, podcast and you're on YouTube, or even if you're on a podcasting platform, head over to YouTube to post compound stupidity below the video, and we'll know that you watched it all the way to the end. Uh, and then you will get a virtual pat on the back from Jamie or me in your dreams, which is weird. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.